0: Hey guys, and welcome to The Money Podcast. We have had a wild couple of years. I've been investing for a long time, and I can't remember anything like this. Last year, the pandemic shaved 20% off the stock market in what seemed like minutes. Then the market snaps back and takes off just as fast. Bitcoin started last year below $7,000. Now it's close to 50 grand. GameStock, one of the many meme stocks out there, started this year at $15, went as high as $350, and is now about $150. Way down from its high, but still up 700% for the year. Even the housing market's been insane. Depending on where you live, it's possible your home has rocketed 40% in just a couple of years. But the good times can't last forever. Sooner or later, the fat lady is going to sing. Much of the asset inflation we've been experiencing is because of historically low interest rates. And odds are that that punch bowl will soon be taken away. Now, I wish impending pending rate hikes was the only risk we're facing. Unfortunately, though, there are lots of other potential dark clouds on the horizon. And that's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. We're going to talk about some economic risk that we may encounter in 2022. Not to alarm you but to prepare and inform you. We'll also talk about how to deal with any issues that might occur. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hey, Stacy. what's up? Well, you are up and listening in and sometimes contributing is producer and novice investor Aaron Freeman, hey Aaron.
1: Is it going to be a bull run or a crash? No one knows. No
0: one knows. We're going to get the ball rolling, but first a quick disclaimer. Should we discuss specific investments in this show, please do not take them as recommendations because they are not recommendations. Before you invest in anything, you got to do your own research, you got to make your own decisions. Okay guys, let's get to it. Have you done have you have you found some potential flies in the ointment for next year? Shout one out.
2: I mean, I think that the thing we're still dealing with is what's next for COVID, right? We've got a new variant out there. Omicron is like causing all sorts of like, we don't know what Omicron's going to do, right? It seems like it's supposed to be a little bit weaker than other variants but at the same time it could be more contagious so we don't know so the ongoing uh the ongoing waves of covid are gonna just keep impacting us i think um, so if you look historically speaking i was like digging into this a little bit uh pandemics generally last you know three to five years i didn't know so. that
0: <laughs> yeah
2: so like we're entering year three it's it's gonna be great so so yeah because i mean you would think that as a human species we would have advanced beyond that and you know we would all be using masks and doing vaccines and being smart about it but alas yeah we have not learned from history yes and i
0: ask people on this very podcast to please get um, a vaccine so that the market wouldn't go down. And, and some of the people listen to me. Okay, nobody listened to me, but I really wish they would, you know, because this, this thing is going to last longer if we don't get vaccinated. Uh, speaking this, of which, This I've isn't going to be the last variant either. What were you going to say, Aaron?
1: This isn't going to be the last variant either.
0: No. And, and, well, and the longer people stay unvaccinated, giving the uh, virus a place to mutate, then the longer the pandemic will last and the more mutations we'll get. I mean, that's what I read.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's how it works. I was going to ask you guys if you give it a place end, to mutate.
0: Do you think we're going to talk about 15 different things that could go wrong, but I was going to ask this at the end. But what do you guys I'm going to ask it at the beginning instead. Do you think this is the worst thing that could happen or the biggest risk? I should say, obviously, anything can happen. But do you think this is the biggest potential risk that's actually on the horizon for the and I'm talking about for, for finances now? Not for humankind, but for the, let's say for the stock market. Do you think this is the greatest risk we're facing next year?
2: Um, I think it's one of the big ones, but I think another issue is going to be increasing um, extreme weather due to global global climate change. I mean, we just watched we just saw a devastating storm in Kentucky. The Midwest was a light uh, was rife with tornadoes, um, and so we're seeing. And these these are things that cause billions upon billions of dollars in damage, displace people from their homes. Uh, you could use losing losing your job all of these things impact your finances so i think this is going to be another issue as well as we continue to run into extreme weather
0: yeah i I think that's true and and i think also that when you ultimately i don't know if it's you know all in 2022 but ultimately weather can displace vast populations uh you know in other words people could be starving Uh, and you know and that would affect the world economy, obviously. And by the way, as we go through these, I want to be really clear about this. As we go through these things, this is all about finances, okay? So I'm not saying one's more important than the other. Obviously, getting sick or starving is a horrible thing, but we're doing this all in the context of how it's going to affect uh, investments, really.
1: Well, I mean I sent you guys that article uh, over the weekend there. Uh, it was a New York Times uh, interactive webpage called postcards from a World on yeah, Fire. I haven't I, seen
0: all of them yet. it's really good.
1: Yeah, and it's like a, it's like uh, it's like video and articles about global warming and about I don't know like 158 countries or something like that. Anyway you watch through watch it all and it's, it paints a very bleak uh, future. But um, even though you might say, oh, my God, global warming is going to completely disrupt everything and it could could devastate a lot of things. We're losing fresh water. There could be no no areas for uh, for growing food. The opposite could be true to that, too. It could actually push science in a different direction, push economies in a different direction where we build differently. We build, you know, green farms out of skyscrapers and things like that and and more desalination uh, waterworks and things like that. So, it could just push push investing in a different direction rather than disrupting. By
0: know? the way, we could come back to that too. But I was surprised that you guys didn't immediately say interest rates, because I, I think that's going to be the big disruptor this year as far as the stock market goes. Uh, just well, just yesterday, today is the what the sixteenth of December. And just yesterday, the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, Jerome Powell, said um, that he they're going to they're going to double the pace. Which, by the way, we exactly predicted a, a week or so ago. They're going to double the pace of, of the program where they're buying up assets, uh, and they're and they're also going to. There might be three interest rate increases next year, starting in June, twenty twenty two. That that's, yeah. that could be a big market disruptor. Uh, do you agree, Miranda? Yeah.
2: Well, it could be, but at the same time, it's like these these kinds of things like have a long lead time, right? Like they signal, they offer forward guidance. The market has time to price it in, so there's not a huge shock. So it's like the market knows it's coming in June 20, 2022. It's going to be priced in by the time we get to June. It's probably priced so, in now. Uh, yeah, yes, it's already being priced in. Like they're already starting to price it in. They're already starting to account for it. Um, are we going to see? Are we going to see like stocks perform gangbusters like they had the last eighteen months or so? Probably not, but um, but I but I don't think interest rates are going to cause like some massive shock to the system. Uh, they're going to be priced in gradually. Now, your personal finances uh, that could cause you know an issue if you are planning on borrowing money next year for any reason. That's going to cause a personal finance issue. It's going to hit your wallet. Um, but I, I don't know that interest rates. Hikes, especially where they've been signaled, we know they're coming. Um, I don't know that they're going to hu- do a huge stock. Uh, I'm, I'm going to our... I'm gonna
0: disagree with you on this because okay. I because I think huge shocks have already occurred in the stock market because of rising rates. Uh, and and I'll tell right. you why. Look, and ha- what have we been what have we been pounding the table on for the last several months? If you've got companies that are trading at 60 times sales and have no earnings, those things are going to get are going to get hammered. And and I'll be damned if they haven't been hammered, hammered. I mean, so, so there are stocks that are down 50% from their highs. I, right, right. Well, but that, well, but the market th- as a whole,
2: like, as we're talking about this right now, like, yeah, the Nasdaq is getting its ass handed to it. But, like, the Dow's back on the rise.
0: Yes, but, you know, the S&P 500, uh, and I'm, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but five stocks, which are the FANG stocks, um, five or six stocks are, are 70% of the market. I mean that's it's, that's never. In other words, this is uh, market breadth. There are very few companies. The, the down may look like it's up, but there are very few companies that are causing that, because they're because they're capitalization weighted and they're monster big companies. So if you don't own Microsoft, Google, Apple, um, Facebook or whatever it's called now, Meta, if you don't own these giant stocks, Amazon, uh, then your then your performance is way different. Uh, than the performance of people who do own those stocks. I, I'm fortunate to own all of those. Uh, I don't own. Uh, Technically, I do too. Gay index funds. Yes, yes, and index <laughs> funds are it. Yeah, you're right. But but if you're buying stocks, you know, like um, you know these these things, the um, Zooms of the world or the Pelotons, you, you'll think that you'll think there was a big shock to the market if you bought Peloton at 150 and now it's at 40, or if you bought uh, or 45, wherever it is. Or, or if you, bought right, but that's Robin your personal Hood portfolio.
2: That's that's not the system.
1: No, I, w- I was reading a <laughs> that's few your personal articles. Portfolio, I, not I was, the system. I was trying to find some correlations between the the dot com bubble and and this one, if it really is one. And uh, I there was a lot of different variations. Some people were saying it is similar, and a lot of people were saying it wasn't similar. Um, and I guess back then, Stacy knows this better than anybody else. Back then, I guess it was the same thing where people were investing in a lot of companies that actually didn't have any profits. That's correct. You know, they were like, and, um, but they didn't have these big five companies back then. They didn't, I mean, Microsoft was kind of big, but they didn't have the Amazon and the Google keeping everything kind of normal. And this time we do have these big five companies and all of the other little ones have already died off a little bit. So people are saying that it's not exactly like the No, I, I
0: agree with that, Aaron. I mean, I think there's some similarities. I think that we've had a big run-up in stocks with no earnings and no hope of earnings for years, and that ties to the uh, dot-com bubble. But I think that that bubble was way bigger. Uh, there were companies then who had no hope of ever making money uh, in, that were billion-dollar companies overnight. And there's some of that now, but less.
2: I 100% think we're due for a stock market crash, and it may come in 2022, but I don't think it's going to be because of interest rates. <laughs> so like, I think it's going to be for other underlying factors. Okay, well, and that's exactly why we're all
0: together today, to talk about yeah. what some of those are. Okay, let me ask you then, if it's not going to be interest rates, what is it going to be? I mean, first of all, it may not happen. I don't want to say that the world's coming to an end. We're saying you know, what we're doing here on this whole podcast is talking about what might happen and how to steal ourselves for it. So anyway, I'm sorry, go I ahead. Mean,
2: yeah, I think there are a lot of other things that could conf- conflate to, to do this. I think when you have a big stock market crash, like what we're due for, like, first of all, right, It's right, we've had the longest... Bull market in history, and so that's got to end sometime. Like it just does. So you just have that whole cyclical thing that's happening. Um, so then you've got that. Uh, you've got the fact that we're very politically unsettled right now. Uh, we've got labor market issues. We've got supply chain issues. I mean, I think I think interest rates are the least important part of this, right? We've got COVID nineteen. We've got we've got you know accelerating extreme weather. So I think there are a lot of things that are like in the mix here and they could all combine to cause problems next year in twenty twenty two. And I think the interest rates are just
0: like well, the, well, now, wait the wait a minute least now. important piece of the supply of this. chain issues do it do cause inflation, are causing inflation, right? And and that shows up as higher interest rates.
2: Right, but but that but that shows up as higher interest rates. Interest rates aren't causing the supply train issues. No well that's what no, I'm but, saying. But, but higher <laughs>
0: interest rates will cause the stock market to go down. Not not necessarily a whole lot. And remember too, we're talking about increases. I said they're gonna have three increases next year and maybe three more in twenty twenty three. These are quarter point increases. I'm not saying Right. That it,
2: All I'm saying is it's like I think the interest rates are like the least, the least, pro- least of our problems weighing on the stock market for 2022.
0: Well, I, I think you should I think be a better so student of history things. then, because rising interest <laughs> rates can. Uh, not- they, they can cause stocks to go down for many reasons. First of all, it makes companies less profitable because it costs them more to borrow. Secondly, it, it presents alternative investments like treasuries, and so people leave the stock market to go to where it's safer. I mean, I mean, historically, it's a fact that higher interest rates, higher interest rates, can induce recessions. Now, on the other hand, I understand
2: that, but let's look at let's look at how big the interest rate increases we're talking about here because if we're doing like a, yeah if there are teeny tiny little interest rates it's not going to be a huge impact to your profitability a quarter point in interest rate increase is not going to like destroy you and, and that's what i'm saying now if we end up in a situation where we have hyperinflation and interest rates have to like just shoot up there then yeah it becomes a different it becomes no a question. different story. So if hyperinflation is one of the risks you see for 2022, and that's going to be followed by a massive interest rate hike, then yeah, I would say that. But when we're talking about three, maybe quarter quarter point hikes, like I don't see that as being like the huge thing that brings down the and market. It may there not are be. so many other things. There are so many other things that could and, potentially and, you know, and, and bring and the down the market. And the other side of that
0: coin, too, is that uh, interest rate increases mean that the economy is running hot. That's why they're right. that's why they're tapping the brakes with interest rate hikes. So it could be that you know you could look at interest rate increases as a positive thing too, especially if they're small, and even more especially if they're well uh, pronounced in advance, which these are. I mean, it's you know it's not even the end of 2021, and the Federal Reserve Chair is saying that he's going to raise interest rates starting in June of 2022. I mean, that's that's pretty telegraphed, you know. So so it may not be a shock. But uh, but but at the same time, you know, I think it's something to pay attention to. It's it's, it's interesting to disagree. Yeah. We, we almost never disagree. And you know why we don't almost never disagree? <laughs> because you're usually right. This time you're not. That's fine. <laughs>
1: well, that's that's the other thing this, this uh, article was saying about the dot-com bubble is that when all of these investors were, were piling into the, the dot-coms, they were only earning at that time 2.2%. And they were, re, well, the reason why it all caved in was because you could actually earn 7% on the bonds. And they all immediately went, "Oh, what are we doing?" And they pulled all out, put it into bonds. That that yeah, was the beginning yeah, of that the
2: happen. end. Uh, yeah, that'd and, be amazing if we see. Well, I mean, actually, I mean, I bonds hit a nice solid yield earlier this year. Yeah. So, Is it, I mean, can you
0: still get that seven percent rate on an I bond now? Um, I've, I've got I when they reset. I, I think you can. I think they only reset yeah, every six months. I
2: think don't you, think? Yeah, I think you still can. So, so I mean, so yeah. So, I mean, if we're gonna look at it in terms of like, okay, let's let's compare yield. So that's another thing, right, that we might see in twenty twenty two. If we're starting to see inflation and we've got the I bonds and yield is going up for I bonds, people might decide to like lock in there instead and, and put some and park some money there um, and, and bring money out of the market. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There are plenty of other reasons for the stock market to crash, and I don't think the thing that break the, the straw that breaks. I don't know. Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be this. Well, we'll straw see. That well, I mean, and actually, that's why. Maybe we're by here. the time we get done with like labor issues yeah, and supply well, again, chain issues exactly. and COVID, and then the very last thing is just this tiny quarter point rate increase that just like boop. I don't know.
0: Oh, you want, <laughs> hey, you want to get back on the same page, Miranda? Here's one you'll like. Yeah. Bad leadership. I mean, look what <laughs> look what just happened yesterday. Um, at the, or maybe it's today even, Biden is signing something that will extend the debt ceiling. And that came one day away from us defaulting on our debt. And why is that? Bad leadership. Uh, it's like a game of chicken. And, and neither side wants to swerve. So I, I'm not going to take sides, but the Republicans, got, they got no Republican votes to increase the debt ceiling. If that had not been done. Now they did, They you know, Mitch uh, McConnell did create a path so that the democrats could do it by themselves they wouldn't have to take any blame but nonetheless you know with this game of chicken when somebody fails to to swerve the economy will crash i mean big time if we default on our debt for one day watch the market go down a thousand points two thousand points yeah
2: yeah, and I think that's something we're going to have to deal with. And I, I kind of touched on it a little bit when I said, you know, we've got these, um, we've got, what we've got right now is a system that's really starting to get into crisis. We've got one party that uh, just has decided that it's all about power and will do anything to maintain that power and just is like, okay, okay no no compromise and then we've got another party that's com- constantly compromising with itself and giving in to the other party <laughs> um, yeah. you know for the, for the most it's, part it's a mess. So, i mean we, it's it's turning into an absolute mess because um but yeah we've got and, and and you know i mean if you look at if you look at it and you look at everything uh, the other thing you know that i'm a little bit concerned about is uh kind of leading into this is you know i mean where are we at in the stages of fascism here? Because I'm not sure American-style democracy makes it past 2020. Well, you know, actually, <laughs>
0: I think thats a re- i mean, that sounds hy- hyperbolic. I don't think you're wrong. And by the way, before we discuss why—let me, let me take a really quick break. We're overdue for our break. Uh, we're going to be right back, and we're going to discuss why democracy may be on the decline. <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay, we are back. And again, not to, not to uh, be hyperbolic, but— it's possible democracy could go away. It's, I don't think it's likely, but it's, it's possible. And, and that can't be good for the stock market. Or maybe it can. I don't even know what would happen to the stock market. I mean, who
2: knows, right? I mean, I guess... But yeah, I mean, I think one of the issues that we're probably going to be looking at in 2022... I mean, you, if you look at... I mean, just looking at the fact that the same guys that were, were castigating... Um, president Trump for instigating an attempted coup back in January, they are now walking it all back. They're all pretending like it was no big deal. Right. If you look at what Liz, um, you know, Liz Cheney was um, reading out tweets that people were sending and people begging uh, like them to stop this. And and you, you look at that and, you know, but they've all just done an about face completely to consolidate power behind their party leaders. We've got, you know, gerrymandering is very much in evidence in a lot of places. Uh, Voting rights are being stripped from people everywhere else. And, you know, everybody's trying to test the limits of draconian laws everywhere. So (laughs) it's a little bit, it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary. And if you're from a community that's ever experienced, you know, marginalization in the past, you're pretty freaked out right now.
0: So, yeah, you're right. I mean, and you know, the other side where they on this podcast might be arguing that it's not as big of a deal as Liz Cheney's making it out to be and democracy is going to be just fine. Thank you. I mean, I I don't know what the answer is, but the point of this podcast anyway is that it is something that could go wrong. You know, that's all we're talking about. And, and, you know, it's political. I mean, actually, there's a lot of ways politics could screw things up. I mean, look at U.S. China. I mean, if if China presses a point on Taiwan. You know, we could have a war. You know, there's Iran. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on, or just not getting along with China, the second largest economy in the world. Uh, look, well, look what's happened to my Baidu. You know, because the the Chinese government decided that the you know their capitalists were being too capitalistic, and so now I, I buy Baidu at two hundred bucks a share. And now it's one hundred and forty. You know, and well, and that's that, that was nothing. Point. And that's a good company. It's a it's a great company. It's the Google of China. It makes a lot of money. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, well, and I think that's a good point, though, It too, is, on the one hand, we're kind of concerned about um, authoritarianism and fascism uh, from, like, the right here in in the U.S., but in China, right, they're having a clampdown on the other end, and authoritarianism from the other side, and they're, they're, delist- they're delisting stuff left and right, um, right, they're still clamping down on the cryptocurrencies so if you're into crypto like that could be an issue as well right um oh that's another thing we're going to talk about crypto right one of the reasons why china is like coming down on on blockchain technology well not blockchain technology but on cryptocurrencies in general is because they've got their own digital yuan and so like what happens the federal reserve is looking at crypto right now and what happens when the federal Re- Re- reserve decides to issue a digital dollar
0: what we had this conversation before and i forgot because I, I, I said the exact same thing to you as i'm going to say now what does happen and i i think you said it would still be a store of value right so it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily it make bitcoin be. crash is that what you said
2: yeah it could be a store of value, but that's something to watch for 2022 right is like what are we doing with the blockchain what's moving forward and does regulation kill it or does regulation bring it into the mainstream that's going to be an interesting thing to watch for
0: 2022. yes. and we, I know we've talked about inflation but you know every little bit of things like that that you know food inflation, gasoline inflation, oil prices, uh, these things all take money out of consumers' pockets. They're, they're forcing you to pay more for food, so you have less for my widgets. You know, so you know, it, it, the, all these things interact. You know, and, and a lot of some of it is political, and some of it is just the cyclical nature of our economy. But a lot of this stuff can go wrong. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to go wrong. And by the way. There's not a single year when something's not going wrong. I mean, you know, the world is not a bright and sunny place every single day, and the stock market overcomes most of these these things. But it is something to keep an eye on. And now let me ask you this: if you if you come up with all this stuff that, that could go wrong, and we have and we really just scratched the surface. I mean, there could be severe droughts. There could be oh, what about cyber cyber war? I mean, you know, <laughs> there, there's all kinds of stuff that could go wrong. And so, what do you what do you do about this? You know. Um, what how do you protect yourself? If you look if you look ahead, Miranda or Aaron, and you see the world is a little bit on the risky side for you in the next twelve months, what do you do?
2: Yeah. So I mean, uh, double checking the emergency funds. Uh, double checking, you know. Okay, how much? How much do I have in accessible cash? How much is my liquidity? Um, can, you know? Do how's how's the old food storage? That's the extreme, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, hopefully uh, we don't get there. Hopefully we're not to that point. But you know, the other thing too is 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 part of it is also just sort of staying the course because as we all know I'm boring and I have the dollar cost averaging into index funds thing. Is the market going to crash? Yes. Is that going to hit my portfolio? Also, yes. Uh, but it will probably recover. And if it doesn't recover, well, then we've reached that food storage situation. So, I'm glad that I have guns and fishing tackle and can grow my own food.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that like so, I said, mean, if things get to where you're selling your stocks to buy shotguns and canned food, then you've got more to worry about than the stock market
2: exactly and so I think so I think really for me it's mostly just saying okay uh, let's take a step back uh, if, if things if I have to cut back on some things in my lifestyle what are the first things that I need to cut back on okay is my emergency fund short up yes am i positioning myself so that if you know my landlord decides to have, sell the house I'm in can I make an offer to buy it just that kind of stuff where you kind of look ahead and say okay what are some of these things because what are some of these things that are going to uh, impact me me or could potentially impact me? And am I positioning myself ahead of time to be ready?
0: Interesting. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm pulling some, I, I have not done this yet. Uh, we'll talk about this more when we do our market update podcast uh, shortly. But the point is I, I'm pulling money off the table. I'm going to, And and I'll, but here's the reason why, because I'm 66 years old and I've made a ton of money in the stock market over the last 10 years, not because I'm smart, but because I happen to be in a a, in a ship with a rising tide, you know, rising tides float all boats. Um, so I, I've been in the right stocks at the right time for a very long period of time. And, you know, I'm getting to the age where I don't want to give that money back. Now, if I was 40, 40, whatever, like you guys are, I I would not be doing that. And, and I'm not a market timer. And the times I've tried to time the market, I've been, well, not always been wrong, but often been wrong. So I'm not going to take everything out of, you know, everything off the table, but I've got some major profits. I'm thinking about taking some of them next year, not Partially because of these potential problems, but largely because of what you said at the outset of this conversation, Miranda, which was the, the stock market returns to the mean, and it's been pl- trading way above the mean for years now. And it's time for it to come back to the mean, which, it'll, you know, which it will do periodically. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten my positions, I believe.
2: Let's do the, you want to do the question I think we've been we've down we've been a downer for everybody else, as it is yeah and, and
0: by the way you let us close on that too, Miranda. I know I've said this already a couple of times, but I don't want to say it one more time. There's always something going wrong, it has nothing to do, i mean no one's suggesting you shouldn't be investing. It's just always good to take a look at what's ahead and, and and you'll see when you see our show notes there there's links where you can see what everybody from the New York Times to Forbes and everybody else thinks is the, the worst case scenario for next year, but it's always good to you know. Keep your, keep your ear to the ground and, and just be aware of what's going on around you, and you can make better decisions that way. But I, We don't want to make anyone depressed with this podcast because it's, this is business as usual, really. Okay, here's your question. This comes from Patty. Patty says, I have my IRA invested in several index mutual funds with Vanguard that pay dividends. Should those dividends be taken in cash or reinvested in the funds? If I take the dividends in cash, I would then not take a distribution, or not as large of a distribution, from my IRA. So apparently, Patty is at, at the age where she has to take required minimum distributions from her IRA. Is that how you read this thing?
2: Maybe. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, 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 is this in her IRA or the? are the yeah Uh, i'm assuming that the
0: mutual funds are in her ira they pay dividends now she can have those dividends paid to her in which case they would be a withdrawal from her ira and she wouldn't have to take out as much for her required minimum distribution but she's wondering whether she should take that take them out or not
2: yeah i mean in general i like to just reinvest dividends unless i'm using them to like live or for some specific purpose Um, I guess it just sort of depends on where you're at I mean regardless like sure you can take them out there'll be a distribution and it'll you know reduce your rmd you're still going to pay taxes on them regardless um and you know unless you keep them in there and then it defers i personally like the idea of just reinvesting them um if you don't need them reinvest them let them grow over time take your rmd as required you're gonna to have to take your rmd anyway and pay taxes so like i like the idea of reinvesting them i don't know I, I what
0: do agree you think? with you I, I think so too I, I mean it just seems to me like well here's the bottom line you're going to pay tax on it either way. If you take the money out and you put it in the bank at 0.1%, then we, aren't you better off leaving it into stocks where they're paying 5% you know, where the market's going up 10% a year? I mean, it, you're going to leave the money where it's going to make the most money. <laughs> and, that, and that would probably be in the Vanguard fund versus in the bank. Now, if you need it to live on, obviously, that's a different thing. You take it to live on and reduce your distribution. But I agree with you, Brand. I think leaving it in and letting it reinvest for as long as possible is the way to make the most money. Fair enough works for me okay we are out of time folks but you know we're never out of topic dig a little deeper as i mentioned links to lots more info in our show notes check them out and remember if your goal is to make more to spend less to retire rich your online home is MoneyTalksNews.com. and don't forget to check out miranda's online home as well that is miranda marquit m-a-r-q-u-i-t dot if you've got a question comment or topic you'd like to suggest we would love to hear from you just email us at hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. That's hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds, really helps us. So If you like us, show us and subscribe and also tell your friends too. I'm Stacey Johnson. And
1: I'm Miranda Marquette. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's just going to be fine.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. I feel better now. Thanks for hanging out with us, everyone. We'll see you right here next time.